welcome to Garage Night. I'm Randall. I'm Jeff. I'm Andy. And I'm Dan. And tonight, Randy and I go play in the snow. Andy ceramic coats one of his vehicles, and Dan talks about his... Willie? <laughs> well, let's get right into it, shall we? So, yeah, uh, Jeff and I uh, went and played in the snow, but before we, before we get to that, uh, you did something just today as we record and a couple of parts came in. So let's go over those real quick. All right. So um, a while ago I went to go align my Falcon and, uh, you know, found that there was some worn suspension components as you find on old cars. And one of those was the idler arm uh, bushing was completely gone in the Falcon. So I uh, pulled that out today, pressed it out and put the new one in and replaced all the hardware with, you know, the good grade eight stuff and re retap the threads and everything on the shaft. And I still have to pull it back apart because uh, the brand new bushing is really uh, bindy and I need to throw some grease in there, but I replaced that handles a lot better. Um, so that was a good thumbs up moment right there. <laughs> and uh, I got my Bronco uh, uh, pistons and uh, cam bearings in uh, their uh, Keith Black hyper eutectic pistons 20 over uh with a 13 cc dish and a full floating wrist pin so they'll be really nice uh to throw in that engine and then the cam bearings are a custom cam bearing with a extra oiling groove on the back side uh for better oil flow to the mains so those are uh, i'm waking up tomorrow at 5 30 to go drive those to the machine shop out in uh wilsonville so i'm i'm excited to see some progress finally <laughs> But yeah, so uh, about the snow trip, uh, Randy and I went up and explored some snow. We uh, uh, Unfortunately, Dan couldn't join us because his Jeep uh, was doing things. Um, but uh, yeah, so we went up in the snow. We uh, found, uh, where we go? We went up Low Low Pass Road and uh, um, tried to find a little, uh, little cutoffs and offshoots for us to go kind of play around in and I drove the Falcon. He drove his uh, F-150 and uh, the Falcon quickly bottomed out in the snow and uh, didn't get stuck, but was going to get stuck or damage things. So we decided to park it and then hopped in the 150 and then drove another quarter mile of the way uh, down the road until there were people that were in the middle of the road blocking the road. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, he get, uh, Randy got the little RC car out and Brought the kids and uh, they had a good time playing around in the snow and um, roosting out the little RC car, ripping around. So it was it was a good time. I'm jealous. I will be joining you guys on the next one of those. Yeah, we would have liked to have you there. I think you would have had a good time. I think your uh, your new vehicle would have done really well. Yeah, uh, we had. We did have a blast. The kids kids went with me, and uh, uh, Jeff's girlfriend went with him, and uh, so we all got to kind of experience all the all the different parts of it. And I was I was shocked with how well the uh, the Falcon actually did until we got to the kind of the ungroomed section, and it went from like four to six inches of snow to a foot and a half in like a quarter of a mile, maybe. So it, it very quickly went from doable to, uh, I believe you were dragging your oil pan is why you were starting yeah. to get worried. 
yeah, I was I was dragging the oil pan, the gas tank, the all of the suspension. It was still going, like it was still kind of like it was still doing it, but it was uh, it was going to cause some damage if I kept going. So I decided that rather than ruin my daily driver, I should park it and then do the smart thing and go hop in the vehicle that has four wheel drive and can go handle that stuff. Yeah, because we brought shovels and tow straps and stuff. We were prepared to have you go just as far as the car would go and get stuck and then pull you out of there. But uh, that didn't end up being the problem. You still had traction. I wonder if it's because it was so light with the studs kind of together. It just, you just kept going forward. But I could hear it from inside the F-150 back. I could hear the scraping like it was in my own truck. (laughs) Yeah, it was... uh... It, it it's weird. It's like it has a it has a ton of traction and will go places. It just doesn't have the ground clearance. So I think if it had you know another couple inches of ground clearance, it would have probably made it. But um, but yeah, I didn't want to really risk ruining it. And and it was it was tough because we were kind of hoping to go explore and actually go do some cool stuff. But it went like you were saying. It went from like very little snow to a ton of snow, like in feet it felt like um so we didn't really have that like cool like you know six to eight inches where you could kind of like float around have some fun you know uh, yeah we didn't find a big open area either uh we we got we went up to uh lolo pass is a is a road that leads up to the mount hood national forest land and uh so we followed that right to where the campgrounds uh entrance starts but unfortunately the path branches down into the right and up into the left and both directions basically within view of the split people had decided that that's as far as their rigs could get so that's where they were going to park for the whole day (laughs) and you know having picnics and walking around and stuff so that would mean that my truck on its own would would have had to cut fresh tracks in what do you say? Two and a half feet of snow. Oh yeah, and I, and 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 off angle, like you would have gone off the road into the ditch to get around them. Um, yeah, with safely. with no with no support vehicle. Yeah, and no, like I couldn't get there and tow you out. You know? That's what like, it comes down to: is is once yours got stuck, mine was. You always leave the most capable vehicle in the back uh, when you do something like this, especially when you got kids around, you don't want to get stuck all night. Uh, so it became just me very quickly. So I had no support vehicle. So I had to really uh, minimize uh, any risk uh, done. Uh, plus it was 35, 38 degrees when we were there. Mm-hmm. Like it kept going up. It was about three in the afternoon. And so yeah. the snow was melting and getting heavy. Uh, yeah, it was pretty heavy snow. Yeah, it was getting pretty slick. So that that kind of becomes a, a bigger problem of of you push it together and then it, it kind of it gets really hard and compacted and really yeah, and, slick. And wet. Yeah, and hard and to wet, shovel. Yeah. So hard to shovel and it's and it your tires just slide on it rather than dig into it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like trying to spin a tire in a slushy, you know. Exactly. And that's that's what we came down to. So right before we did leave um, a few minutes later, you know, let the kids go play in the snow and, uh, got out a little 110 scale electric RC, uh, 
electric RCs do not like the snow. It gets caught up in the, the battery and the motor and they, uh, they actually freeze up and, uh, don't want to keep working. You just got to let them thaw out. But so that was shorter time than we were hoping on all fronts before we left. Uh, one of the routes did clear out. Um, and so I just real quick threw the kids back in the truck and, uh, bombed down that way and made it, I don't know, half a mile, maybe a little more. And, uh, yeah. I, I got down there and no problem. I, I, it was starting to slip a little bit. So I went right into four and it just, it just walked wherever I wanted it to go at, you know, 10 miles an hour. It was just clawing through minor slippage. Uh, I turned on the locker and any amount of slip went away completely when that engaged. Yeah, it was, it was actually really impressive for, you know, a uh, long wheelbase, you know, vehicle. It, it had no problem at all. Yeah. I, uh, I expect that it would have gone miles, but the last thing I want to do is go two miles and then decide to turn around uh, <laughs> and then get stuck miles from it. No, yeah. it's, it's foolish. So it was a good first kind of outing. I think we got time for one more snow trip because it's still snowing up there. Uh, snow line actually just dropped like 1800 feet uh, today as we record out here. So, uh, probably still a chance to get up there and get plenty of good snow time with another recovery vehicle. Um, plus, uh, that was before I did all the work. Um, we're going to segue over to the 150. Uh, I, uh, I got a couple of things done. Uh, first, I did a little bit of, uh, let's say, lightning mods. Uh <laughs> I probably saved, oh, three quarters of a pound. Um, but in doing so, shaved 20 or 30 pounds. So what happened is when we were out in the snow. Uh, I was sure the chin spoiler was just dragging on the uh, uh, on, on the snow because it kept making kind of a scraping noise, right? So uh, when I go forward, it would scrape. I'm like, okay, well... I get out and I look and sure enough, there's a aerodynamics chin spoiler under the bumper it extends down four or five inches uh, to help with fuel mileage. Uh, it does say in the owner's manual, I find out afterwards, you are supposed to take that and another cover off before you go off road. Um, the other piece is this little kind of fiber carpet cardboard kind of material goes underneath kind of under the transmission pan covering the turbos and it's supposed to be like a sound deadener and and uh for heat and stuff <clears throat> so what happens is when you put a little bit of stress on the front of that with i don't know a bunch of snow uh, it pops one of the christmas tree fasteners out on the front so when that happens it drops down in the front a few inches so you go farther into the snow and it acts like the mouth of a beluga whale just eating snow. <laughs> and I, I compacted probably 20 to 30 pounds of snow <laughs> into this de facto skid plate. Uh, no idea. And so after we left, because I just looked under the truck and I saw the chin spoiler dragging. I'm like, oh, that's it. That's the problem. On the way back, uh, we hit get back in town 
and uh, Jeff passes me, um, which is because my car is so fast. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> um, and uh, later he calls me and says, "Hey, you should uh, check under your car. There's there's something we don't know if it's like something dragon or snow. Turns out it was both." Um, <laughs> I still had I, I pulled over uh, just, just short of my house and looked under the truck and just started laughing. <laughs> so when I got home, I grabbed the shovel out the back and start shoveling seven or eight scoops of snow <laughs> <laughs> out from under the truck. Um, yeah, so that those, those came off. Uh, and, uh, the next day I decided to continue my mods because parts came in early. I ordered six new spark plugs and, uh, new coils because they're coil on plug. Um, and so the next day I, I dive in and uh, tell Jeeves he needs to replace the spark plugs. So <laughs> it was actually pretty easy. Uh, so simple, even I could do it. Uh, you know, taking the taking it apart is really easy. You pull the pull the engine cover off, which there's no bolts, it just comes up and out. Uh, and then each coil has one screw. You pull that out, coils come out, uh, and then you just need to have a, like a, a universal or a wobbler on a spark plug wrench and uh, about a 12-inch extension will do it. And they super easy access to all six of them. They come out, put the new ones in, of course, one by one, blow everything off first so you don't get any crap down in the cylinders. But I replaced those suckers and, and gapped them down from well, when the truck first came out, they were 41 gap. Uh, and then they ended up bringing them down to like a 31 the next year. And then they recommend like a 28. So really narrowing them down for uh, uh, for for boosted motor. And boy, that thing is a monster now. It's, I'm, I'm it's, surprised they were so high the first year. 41 on, a, on that sort of application seems like a lot. Yeah, it seems like it's a really, really wide gap, uh, especially for something boosted from what I've been reading. Um, but yeah, that was that was spec in 2010 or 11 uh, was to run them at 41. But yeah, now they recommend 28. And the thing, the thing feels like it's got the what is it 365 and 420 or whatever the numbers are. It really feels like it's got that power. And uh, I'm getting a. 18 or 20 foot trailer uh, ready to tow over the summer. So I wanted to make sure everything like that was tip top. So if you've got an eco boost, they recommend like every 30,000 to replace the plugs and about half, half that much for the coils just because uh, of the air cooler stuff. So if you think it's lost a little pep in its step, turn it up because it's, it's got the power. So next we're going to talk about Dan's Willie which is really cool. He picked up a Jeep uh, and I got to drive it stock and I got to drive it with his new mod, or I got to see it with his new mods. I haven't driven it yet. That's that's coming. Uh, so Dan, tell us, tell us exactly what you picked up. We're going to ask a lot of questions and uh, yeah, what did, what'd you get? So after parting with the truck, um, which is an awesome truck, by the way. I'm glad you have it. Uh, after selling Randy the truck, you know, selling a buddy a truck, I'm like, just please don't blow up. 
two days after you take it. <laughs> and luckily it hasn't. So I'm glad you're having a good time with that. No, it's great. I'm, the, I'm loving uh, it, dude. Good. So yeah, I picked up uh, a 2021 Jeep Wrangler Unlimited Willys Sport Edition and uh, picked it up with a stick shift and a couple other. Um, I got the electronics package, the upgraded stereo, uh, the tow package, and just kind of the main stuff that you need. Have you um, have you ever had a vehicle that didn't have an aftermarket uh, sound system in it or a, an upgraded sound system? Because this truck's got a big, it's supposed to have a load flat floor, but one of the seats in the back seat, you lift it up and it's just this massive amplifier. Yeah, you got a 700 watt amp back there because it's got yeah. their uh, their their high-end Sony system in it. Um, no, I like my music. So uh, this one has their, uh, I haven't had an Alpine system before, but that's what this one has. And so it's got a 500 and some change watt Alpine system in it with a 10 inch sub built into the back, um, which actually kicks. It's uh, I've no, no complaints about the music. Um, but yeah, uh, so I got a Jeep for a couple reasons. I wanted to keep the four by four capability and, but I missed driving a stick shift and uh, you're kind of hard pressed to find that unless you go with the Jeep. So, uh, so I got that. And then the first modification I did, there's probably going to be several more after this, but um, I did a two and a half inch suspension lift. It's an AEV lift, which is American expeditionary vehicle lift. And I did that on 18 by nine wheels with 35 inch tires. So the tires or the uh, wheels are mayhem wheels. I can't remember the exact thing. It was, uh, it wasn't a name. It was just a combo of letters and numbers, but, um, then I did the BFG KO2 all terrains for the tires and they're awesome. Uh, the road noise as compared to like, I had Toyo MTs on the 150 before this and uh, these are way quieter, way smoother. So I really, really like it. And I think the ride quality is much better now, especially between those tires and then the, uh, the ST5100 uh, shocks and, and all that. It's legitimately, you need to drive it lifted now since you drove it stock. Um, it feels, uh, it feels smoother. Like it's a, there's a legitimate difference. That's not usually what you hear is that things ride smoother when they're lifted. Yeah. It, and it does. That's what it surprised me when I first drove it. I was like, wow, this is, um, I wouldn't say the ride was harsh before, but it was not smooth. It was kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can attest to that or not, but it, it wasn't a smooth ride. Um, it was what I expected a, a Jeep to be like, like a Wrangler, like a real, you know, not a, not a grand Cherokee or anything like a real, jeep that's kind of the ride i expected it wasn't supple but it was not harsh by any means i mean it was perfectly comfortable i mean the bmw x5 is not that much smoother you know it was sport tuned but it's still a luxury vehicle so it was close enough to that that i was i was pretty uh pleased with it as stock so i still haven't ridden in your x5 no we'll have to fix that torque is fun twin turbos Um, are fun so yeah i rode in your 540 but not the not the x5 um, but yeah, you guys will need to, uh, I don't know about Andy. We'll figure that out, but we'll, we'll need to go pick up Jeff sometime and, and, uh, go drive it around, give you guys a chance to drive it lifted. 
But I've got to say, I, I love the color that you chose. That's a really sharp color for that Jeep. Thanks. I uh, it's called Sarge Green, and so you know I'm in the army, and the Jeep Willys was the Jeep that they used in World War II for the army. Um, and so it kind of made sense to me, and I kind of like that from a, uh, a nostalgic standpoint a little bit. Um, you know, I looked at a Rubicon, but it was about $9,000 more. And I was just like, I, I, I can't justify that. I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not going to use those axles and you're not going to use, you know, all of those, all those goodies, you know, it's going to be kind of like my stuff, kind of a, a soft rotor a little right. bit. Yeah. It'll go off road a couple times a year and that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, and so, you know, it's a Jeep Willys in that Sarge green, which is kind of an army green. Um, with a black hard top and black wheels kind of surrounding it. So I, I, I don't know. I thought it kind of made sense. And like I said, from a nostalgic point of view a little bit, um, I kind of liked that. But It's a very attractive vehicle the way it, the way it sits right now. Um, you actually have – you've changed the way that it sits. Uh, those on the Instagram or the website will see a, a updated picture. So uh, with that two-and-a-half-inch lift and the – it's still a two-and-a-half, right? A uh, two and a half inch lift on 35s. Yeah. Yeah. 35, 12, five. Yeah. Those it's, it's a really good stance for it. I think it gives it, gives it that little extra muscle. It's, it's kind of the way that you expect a Jeep to look now. Yep. yep. Well, you made a really interesting comment and that I agree with um, when we were at your house the other day, you said, it's like Jeep made this vehicle for this lift. Like they just decided to, you know, we'll make the aftermarket money. So we're not going to put it on a stock, but this is like kind of how it's, it was supposed to be. Um, you know, I could have jacked it way up, done a four, you know, done a four inch lift on 37s or done something like that, but I didn't, uh, I don't know. That's just a little much. Um, at a certain it, point, it's actually hard to climb in and out of like, I've, I've been in lots of trucks with four and six inch lifts on, you know, 35, 37s. I've been on stuff with 44 is that's it's a joke like yes. getting in and out of that all day would be irritating i would think well and you only lose one or two mpg doing the lift on 35s mm-hmm. but if you look i looked at some graphs before i chose uh like fuel economy graphs and stuff like that and when you jump up to 37s there's a significant decrease um, between 35s and 37s on fuel economy um that's just, a lot of rotational mass yes. really far yeah. out um, and so that was another thing I was like, I really like the way this looks and I, I just don't, you don't need that extra. Um, I actually was going to go with, um, I could have gotten their turbo diesel motor in this and I was going to mm-hmm. do that, but they did not have a stick shift option. For yeah. That's the usually the problem. Not a and, lot of stick shift diesels over here because of the torque. Right. And, uh, and I mean, there's 442 foot pounds of it in a Jeep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for but so I was uh, I was absolutely going to do that, and then I found out you couldn't get a stick shift with it, so I didn't. But um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy with it thus far, and I'm open to suggestions. Part of the reason I got a Jeep was that uh, I, I drove the the F one fifty like a grandpa, and I put a leveling kit and thirty threes and, and wheels on it, but that was it. I didn't do any performance modifications. I didn't do anything else to it. Um, and, and so with this Jeep, I kind of want to, you know, there's a few other modifications I'd like to do. So, uh, as far as what's next, 
you know, there's been a lot of suggestions. Do a snorkel, do a front bumper with a winch, do um, a couple different things like that. So light bars, all that stuff. Because with that electronic pa- electronics package that I got, uh, they have four different plug-and-play options that are pre-wired. And oh, so, yeah, those switches. Yeah, there's four buttons that they put down on the bottom of the console, just Roman numeral one, two, three, four. And so for each one of those, it's a plug-and-play option that's pre-wired. And so you can hook up four different electronics parks, uh, parts around the Jeep um, and just plug-and-play. So, nice. Uh, and so I got that with the intention of using them. But yeah, so you were, you were talking about you were talking about uh, intake exhaust tune sort of stuff uh, yes. in previous episodes. So um, before Andy and Jeff have their questions, my only one is is have you noticed a, a, a like a power difference noticeable or not? I would say noticeable, yes, but barely. So noticeable, but not detrimental. So you're no. not like, I have to get more power in this to make it up. It's like, I, oh, I do not, so I do not have to get more power. Um, I mean, it's a Jeep, you know, it's, it's 285 and 260 stock, but it's, uh, uh, so up to about 2000 RPMs, there's no power. Um, anything above 2000, it's plenty to move the Jeep. Um, I have no issues with, with driving it. Um, and as I've been getting used to it, it's, it's a lot. Uh, I don't, you know, do I always want more power? Yes, absolutely. Um, and if I end up keeping this for the long haul, I mean, that supercharger kit that's supposed to do 350 to the wheels, that's an option. You know, there's a few other kind of more uh, quote unquote crazy options that I may do down the road when the warranties expire. But for now, kind of like we talked about, I probably won't be doing that just due to warranties uh, because what I've done up to now has not voided any warranties and I can stick all kinds of stuff on the Jeep without voiding any warranties either. So, um, I may stick to that. I dig it, man. I, I think you did a pretty good job with that. Uh, you know, I think the, the little power increases is, is pretty sweet. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like it. I really like what you've done with the lift and the tires really look good. Um, you know, and it's, you know, those, those little, uh, Pentastars, I mean, they, they, they're reliable, you know, they, they'll get you wherever you want to go. You know, if you want to do some serious wheeling or if you just want to go out, cruise and enjoy it, it should work pretty well for you. Thanks. And yeah, that was kind of the idea. I mean, that Pentastar motor, the three, six, um, there's nothing really special about it, but it's been around forever. And so, uh, it is pretty reliable. Um, and it was kind of back and forth cause I could have gotten a stick ship option, uh, option as well with the um, the two liter turbo, which the power numbers were almost identical. They're very similar. Um, but I ended up going with this cause it's just, uh, you know, I guess you could say more analog. There's not any, uh, it's, it's a very simple motor. It's been around forever. So, right. And that's uh, where I'm kind of curious what you'll think of it in person with kind of that mix of, there's a little bit of technology in it, but there's also a lot of it feels really analog. We did talk about that a little bit, uh, Dan and I, when we were in the in the Jeep. Is that was a big topic? Was is this Jeff approved or not? <laughs> Certain things, I I think, like it's got even in twenty twenty one, it's got analog gauges. You know, it's got a lot of good good feeling switch gear in it. 
like I, I make fun of Mopar interiors, but this one's actually, I was, I was pleasantly impressed. Um, the dashboard is extremely vertical. If that makes sense. Like if you go from a car to a truck, you know, you notice that, Oh, it kind of becomes this big rectangle, uh, dashboard with kind of a vertical rectangle going into the center stack. This was almost completely straight up and down. And is the distance between the dashboard and the vertical front windshield is just a couple of inches, um, versus, you know, let's say the F-150 it's extremely sloped windshield and it goes uh, a foot, foot and a half from the dashboard to where the windshield meets the, uh, the cowl. Um, so I think that's something that's very old school, like a CJ five. Uh, and the doors are about half as thick as a standard car door. Everything is just minimal in a way as to, give you as much interior space while keeping the footprint small and light and really an efficient use of what you have. So I think it's the details like that, that uh, Jeff would really appreciate. And you can see pieces of bare metal from inside the cabin. They didn't try and hide everything. You know, they knew this is an off-road thing. It's better for it to be built you know, for a purpose than to stuff a whole bunch of extra uh, deadening material everywhere and seal everything up 100%, uh, like, you know, a, a Camry would be. Uh, I think they prioritized correctly on the thing, and it's still incredibly quiet and comfortable to be in, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, there's, I have not noticed anything, um, there's subtle differences, obviously between it and the 150 but um as far as as far as major differences where it made me uh, nothing that it has is, has made me regret purchasing it thus far yeah we'll uh we'll see how it goes but there are definitely more modifications to come and andy let me guess let me guess andy's i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna take a take a shot is it is it boost boost because I was thinking that two liter turbo would have quelled the um, the no power under two thousand RPMs thing. It may have, yeah. But you know, definitely a little bit less up top, and it's it's buzzy. It's a different sound, and uh, you know, I don't know how much lag that motor has or doesn't have. Is that two liter turbo? Is that going to be the same one out of the uh, like the 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 old dart turbo, like, is that going to be that, that quad air that they have in the Fiat 500 Abart? Cause in the Abart, it sounds amazing. It might. Um, I know the numbers on it. If I remember correctly, were were 270 horse and 290 foot pounds. That's still so respectable. And so, and like I said, this one's 285 and 260. So it was very, um, they were very similar. But, and that was honestly what, uh, what I thought might've been one of my regrets was not going with that. But at the time I was still thinking the exhaust, actually the Borla exhaust I was looking at sounds really good out of that Pentastar for a six cylinder. And, uh, and so I was kind of like, meh, well, the two liter turbo is a new engine. And, uh, so I just kind of went with the old reliable one. 
Yeah, and the Penistar, you know, you know what to expect from it. Like it's it's proven itself to be a, a good motor. It's got uh, tons of you know tons of R and D behind it. It's kind of the best version it's ever been, and you don't have the complications of turbo piping and you know more things to go wrong, uh, as Jeff would point out. You know, just more failure points <laughs> in it. Exactly. I don't even need you guys on here. I can just say this one says there's too much boost and or, or <laughs> not enough boost. And we'll this never one say too much technology. So there's only too much boost until the time there's too much boost. There's too much boost for a second, <laughs> and then, and then there's for a second, no, and then there's no boost. No boost. No pressure. No vacuum. No problems. No problems. <laughs> if Jeff has a real issue with it, I could And that's how it. you get a DeSoto. <laughs> well, I mean, you really could because Jeeps don't lose their value, you know? I mean, they're kind of the same thing. So, I, I mean, you're kind of just trading it in for another Jeep at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing I was looking at. And I was like, nope, we're going to stick with this. Oh, it reminds me, I haven't even told you guys uh, I saw a thing, but uh, before I go into that story, Andy, what have you done? <laughs> Just created more headaches. <laughs> Perfect. That's pretty much all I ever do. <laughs> so the other night I had to run into work late uh, to go pick up some parts that I was working on. Uh, Stuff at home, long story short, uh, some geese decided to play chicken with me on the freeway and uh, lost, and so did the Explorer. <laughs> oh, like it hurt the Explorer? Yeah, it, it demolished the, the bottom plastic um, oh, of the, like the bottom valance on the, on the front bumper. How many weeks old is that car now? <laughs> it's, uh, I, I made one payment. Dude, <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't win with new cars. I swear. This is why we don't have nice things. <laughs> get a new car, it gets hit. Get a new car, it gets hit. Get a new car, it gets hit. Like oh, the only shit. thing that hasn't been molested at this point is the focus, and I've just cursed that. Just don't, <laughs> yeah. just, just don't hit the remote start. Whatever. You do. <laughs> well, that was under warranty. I don't think there's a goose clause in the. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Just saying, do you have a bumper to bumper right now that they'll they'll you know replace that or? I don't know. I I need to go over there and, and ask them and see if, if if it's even remotely covered at all, and if not, how much the part is. Um, well, you you should ask, and if they and you know if they ask why they would do that, you just say if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. <laughs> Points. I feel bad about that one. <laughs> no, you get you get a point for that. But yeah, I I looked it up. They, they don't show the twenty one yet. But if the twenty is the same on Tasca's website, that the part was like two hundred and fifty bucks. So, so doable, but still a pain in the ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it is the very very bottom like plastic, and it's not super noticeable, but it's enough to piss me off and want to replace it to make it all new again. Is it the is it a painted part or is it kind of a No, it it's black plastic. Luckily if it was painted it would be hundred percent replaced tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like that that's gonna look really bad and that's gonna be more expensive because you gotta get match and it's never really gonna match, blah blah blah. Exactly. Yeah, that I would have been more upset about. How mad was Jessica? 
<laughs> Not terribly. Wasn't mad that you were in your car. <laughs> I mean, a, a little, a little bit, but yeah. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't in my cars because I can't get parts for those. That's true. That might be harder. Well, you may not be able to get a part for the Explorer yet because they're still using them to build the cars. Yeah, true. I mean, I'm I'm lucky the tire for the for the Cobra only took out the chin spoiler and not the actual front bumper because those are damn near unicorns anymore. Yeah, pretty to much. Find, to find an 9901 bumper is next to impossible, and if you can, they're a thousand bucks a piece. I was looking for those when I had the bullet. I always thought that was uh, that was like the one mod I really wanted to do was the. Uh, <clears throat> was the 01 Cobra uh, bumper on it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that looks good on almost anything. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's best to breed. A lot of people like the Termi bumpers, but the, Termi, the, the, the Terminator bumper looks, looks good, but unless you do the whole kit, it makes, it doesn't flow with the car, right? Like everybody puts them on GTs and it just looks off because it makes the front end all like bubbly looking and the rest of the car is sharp. Exactly. The, the Terminator is, is kind of an ovular, uh, you know, rounded shape, but then you get into the stock sides, especially like the 99 and 2000 that are extremely squared up, like the, the side sills and stuff. Oh, it's so many angles. It doesn't flow. Yeah. And, and that was, that's why I liked it on, on the six. Cause I had all that. The only thing I didn't have from the Terminator were the, the folding side mirrors, the painted side mirrors. Yeah, the breakaways. Right, that was the only thing I didn't have, but that's that's why I ended up liking it at the end. Um, it's because it had the whole kit and everything, so it you know it kind of matched. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, nothing new with the Focus. Just been driving that. Um, started working on the Mustang. Did not get very far. Um, the I got the broken chin spoiler off finally after about three months, two months, whatever it's been. Um, I finally got that unbolted and off. Um, I was looking around and I couldn't find any real damage from. I haven't had a chance to get underneath it after hitting whatever I hit. I think it was a tire on the freeway. Yeah, you think you said it was a uh, like a like a retread that came off. Yeah, that's what I think it was. But I I, I found some scuffs that. Kind of made me think it was a tire. You know, I didn't see any real damage or anything. Um, it's definitely knocked the alignment off, so it needs to get realigned. But <clears throat> um, I haven't found any other damage on it yet. Um, I mean, which is a good thing. So yeah, so it's it's no more bad news. No more bad news. Um, was trying to figure out why my wipers weren't working the other day. Um, I pulled the tank out and was gonna. Uh, you know, try and blow some air through the line. Um, <clears throat> the pump right off the tank actually has a small little leak. Um, so I'm not sure if it was just pumping, you know, fluid out through that and not getting up to the line all the way to the to the windshield or not. Um, so I filled that thing all the way and, and kind of um, temporarily kind of like capped it and then went to test it. And just kind of just, I just held the button, you know, on the, on the stock, mm -hmm. just to, you know, cycle the pump and run it. And it finally did spray up to one wiper, but not the other one for about 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden I hear water gushing out from the right side of the car. Oh, great. So it blew the line off probably underneath the spigot <clears throat> behind it was probably plugged up. 
and blew that off. And you know where those are underneath the, the factory plastic cowl on the new edge, which means oh. I'm going to end up buying a cowl to take that apart to fix it because we all know damn well those break every time we take them off. Yeah, they don't. They just don't. They don't. They snap every time you put them back in. And I don't want to screw with it. Maybe you can just like take the cut the firewall out with a blowtorch. That might be easier. <laughs> I I think more than likely I'm just going to drive around with a bottle of Windex in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> the arm out the window. Yeah, the arm out the window. Right. Just toss a, a bottle of water on the windshield and hit the button. <laughs> it's the whole bottle. Don't even open it. Just the whole bottle. It. Just toss it. Yeah. If you go fast enough, the window's self cleaning, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's that, uh, and that's uh, that's the point where I had to stop and actually leave. So and that's that's pretty much where it sits. Though um, I haven't got to, <clears throat> I haven't even got the rear end in the area to look at the diff leak yet. Well, that is that's a good segue because I saw a Mustang today. Oh, I did. Uh, I, it was a new one, and uh, my wife hadn't seen them yet. We were going through town, and I pointed out. I said, "Hey, hey, check it out! That's a Mustang." It's called the Mach E. Oh, and I saw there's already a, a recall for one. Yep, and uh, I, I so I pointed it out to my wife, and I, I said, "Yeah, it's the it's called the Mach E. It's an all electric uh, Mustang SUV." And she said, "What?" And so I repeated myself. I said, "It's, <laughs> it's a Mustang. It's called the Mach E. It's an all electric SUV." And she looked at me deadpan and said, "No, Mustangs aren't SUVs." I refuse to acknowledge that it exists <laughs> and turned away. That was, <laughs> I refuse. that was kind of the, the beginning and the end of it. So she's smart. It's like a Mustang too. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's probably what it'll become. What I expect is that they'll have it that way for a generation and they'll kind of pull the Ford thing where they just kind of delete a name off of it. And they'll just, they'll, They'll keep it looking almost exactly the same, but they will kind of take the ponies off and take the Mustang name off of it, but still make it look evocative of the Mustang and call it the Mach-E and maybe even not put a blue oval on the front, like kind (laughs) of very subtly like bait and switch, like, oh, it's a Mustang. And then with the flip, you know, the two-year facelift, they'll be like, it's the Mach E. And see, and and he, here's the other thing that that is conflicting on it too. Like alone from them calling it a Mustang Mach E, coming out the same year that they're also bringing out the Mustang Mach One. Well, I think that was very much on purpose because people with more money to you know in their pockets to burn. Well, I'll just get the two that match. I'll get the Mach One and the Mach E in the garage. Of course, no. you're, you're not wrong. Did not I mean, see that, that avenue. That's a neat idea. Like they're sure. <clears throat> two Mustangs with completely different purposes. Uh, it hurt a little bit to call them uh, Mustang in the same sentence. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm getting more of a curmudgeon on it. I tried to be optimistic, but now I'm just, you know, I, you didn't need to call it that. I guess <laughs> you had you had all the names in the world, and you and you chose to recycle. Why? He could have just named it a Bronco. <laughs> Boy, back to the salt mines for this one. Huh? <laughs> it is, just a little bit. Captain Salty. <laughs> when are you getting your new Bronco, Jeff? 
<laughs> he doesn't even have his current Bronco. When, when, when a third you never had comes me. Up. You never had your car. You never had Jeff. Jeff never had his Bronco. <laughs> Jeff never had his Bronco. Okay, well, while we're kind of on, on this tip, we got a, uh, a listener request to complain about something, which I figure oh. Jeff should have no problem with. <laughs> I'm in. I'm good with it. I like complaining. So we were asked to talk about infotainment. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. So what I thought we could each kind of do a pro and a con, but that kind of fell apart when I thought Jeff would just have a con and a con. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff will take the con. Well, making him have a pro would be fun. Oh, oh, hey, see, I think a game is afoot. Brains and looks, he's got it all. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> so let's let's start there then, and we we may have to come back to him. But yeah, hey, Jeff, can you give us a hey, what? can can you give us a pro for uh, modern infotainment systems? Uh, yes. Yeah. Le- <laughs> less buttons on the dash. I mean, I guess. See, I call that. I call that a con. Having less buttons. I I think there's a there's a middle ground middle ground of buttons because. Okay, I'll I'll lead off because I, I I know exactly where I want to go with this. Uh, I'm gonna describe three of the vehicles I've owned and their varying levels of buttonage. For their uh, for their infotainment, all three of these have uh, screens with uh, sync or you know navigation and all the things. Our 2012 Focus had a small screen. It was a 4.3 inch TFT color display on the center stack, and below that it had between 35 and 100 million buttons. <laughs> Uh, below it, including a num- full number pad, uh, that I didn't touch most of those buttons in the five six years I owned the car. There were way too many buttons. The screen was very small, and but it did the job. It told me what I needed to know. I got name of the song. You know, it did not have navigation, but it had phone and stuff so had kind of what i needed uh but the uh f-150 i have now currently is the other side of that uh it's mostly done through the touch screen um the sync 3 system i believe it is is very good but um i did find that there is there is something that is not doubled up Meaning there's something that if I put an aftermarket uh, screen in it, like for CarPlay, uh, I would not be able to activate the heated and cooled seats. There are no physical buttons for those. It's all through the infotainment. Uh, I'm sure Dan found this uh, when he was looking to upgrade the stereo because there's no limit to the noise in his vehicles i was perfectly happy with this one it was uh i had no issues with the stereo in this it's very loud um but i think i think that i wish that there was more i could do with the 
steering wheel controls and some physical buttons. It's got enough where I'm perfectly happy, but I can tell that it's not quite what I find has been the perfect level, which is the X5. Now you'd think that would just be a plethora of too much technology, but it has a controller. It has like a joystick of sorts. Uh, next to the uh, automatic you know, shifter column to the right is a knob that rotates left and right, pushes uh, forward, back, left, right, clicks down, and then uh, just all around it are at the at the top is five buttons for CD, telephone, uh, navigation, menu. Um, and so it kind of gives you everything you need and then option and uh, back at the bottom. And they're all very tactile. They're all shaped a little bit different. And so you can keep your left hand on the wheel and your right hand resting on the armrest and your hand falls naturally onto this uh, control knob. Um, and from there, you can control the uh, the eight and a half inch non-touch screen uh, in the center stack. You control everything you need directly from there. So you don't have to reach up to the screen where you do that thing where you use like one or two of your fingers to steady your hand while you push forward and, and touch whatever on the screen. Yes. Yeah, there's 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 that move that, you know, we've all done, you know, me and the Ranger, I, I've got the aftermarket head unit for music in there, and I use my thumb to steady the rest of my hand to hit next track and all that. Uh, so to be able to have my whole arm just rest on the, the armrest and just resting there and be able to control anything I need, like a mouse, uh, I have found is my favorite way to control uh, infotainment. And I've, I've been in a plethora of rental cars and stuff uh, over the past few years and played with a bunch of different systems. And I do think that the modern iDrive and Ford Sync systems, which just that's why I own these vehicles, I suppose, are the ones that I am the most keen to that this seem to make sense to me. Um, so who wants to, who wants to kind of puke their brain out next, uh, with, with thoughts? I, I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle of, of between you and Jeff, Randy. Yeah. So like, if you look at the picture, I, I put the link in the chat there for you, um, would be granted that's if you look at the if you look at that on the explorer the the tall screen is the optional tech package screen but the the horizontally laid out screen is like the normal one that comes in everything else that doesn't have the upgraded technology package um and that's what we have in our explorer is it's got the horizontally laid out screen what i like is that there is a a solid mix of you know manual push buttons and um, whatnot, you know, actually you know, beneath that, the control, um, you know, your fans, your heated seats, all that, you know, your stereo volume, um, you know, and whatnot. And then a little bit of it also controlled in the infotainment screen. Um, it's a fairly, it's a pretty well-balanced setup. And like, 
everything totally laid out in like the screen, like in the BMWs, Mercedes, uh, uh, you know, like the new Cadillacs, everything all laid out, like including all your HVAC and all that. And the screens I'm not a fan of. Um, what Ford's done here is very, very well balanced in my opinion. Yeah, it looks it looks simple while still kind of encompassing the things that you need it to. Right. Uh, if I'm if I'm looking at the right one, uh, yeah, because they do offer a massive vertically oriented screen. Yes, that's that's the upgraded tech package that that's got the upgraded like the tech package and the navigation. It comes with like 360 degree camera, wide angle like front and rear backup cams and stuff like that. Yeah, but this smaller uh, landscape design one looks uh much yeah. more manageable i think the big ipad looking one would uh uh scare jeff uh under a rock probably this one he could probably um survive in the vehicle with yeah i would think so it's not it's not like super huge like yeah the vertical one is is a bit big and intrusive but the you have the horizontally laid out screen like it's not super huge it's not you know big bulky you know it's a it's a very happy medium but it's it's big enough i think this size around 10 inches is is good for easy viewing where you can glance at it yeah uh, when you're using it for like a backup camera or uh just glancing at a map or per- getting pertinent information quickly i find that the smaller screens especially like the one in the focus the four inch screen uh, you know, I didn't get anything really important on it, but when I did have to look, it was so small that it would be, uh, it would, I find that my attention was actually on it more than the bigger screens. Cause you have to kind of look for what you're yeah. trying to find a little bit longer versus glancing at it and kind of mentally, uh, going through it after you're back on the road. Right. Yeah. You can get a, you can get a, a quick look for it easily. And then, you know. Um, back up yeah the small screen it's like you're you know taking a hard look for what you're trying to find it's diverting too much attention for the small screen okay dan you've got a you've got a brand new vehicle but it is also the mid-size screen option i believe yeah so they had a uh they had three different screen options uh, a 4.3 a 7 and an 8.4 um and it's weird how Jeep does its packages. Um, I would have done the 8.4, but that was not an option. Um, what, was, what, what was locking it out? Let me guess, like a motor or something? Basically, yeah. I think it, there were a couple other options that of things that I legitimately wanted in the Jeep, and I would have had to cancel one or two of those to do the 8.4. It made no sense at all. But uh, it wasn't a huge deal to me. I was like, fine, I'll just get the 7. And uh, the seven works fine, so I'm I'm very happy with that. But um, and I mean, you saw it. it doesn't look it looks fine. It's not really overbearing in any way. Um, where a lot of the big iPad type things are cool, but um, it is going to distract you a little bit. It seemed very appropriate for the vehicle because if you would have had a big Tesla esque screen in there, uh, big you know, fancy bells and whistles type of screen. I do think it would have taken away from the vibe of the, the kind of retro willies. Cause like, you know, we didn't touch on the willies too much, but the fact that it's got like willies uh, like printed on the sides of the hood, 
kind of where the army would put U.S. Army and then, you know, the serial number of the vehicle. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's little touches um, like the four wheel drive sticker on the back. Yeah, the, the, the emblem on the back. Yeah. And so I think if you would have put a big gaudy screen in it, it might have actually killed it a little bit for me. Um, I think it was, but you know, you got to have a screen because with, you know, mandated backup cameras alone, you got to have something. Right. Uh, and so that's still very useful. And the screen was, it reacted well, uh, to all the inputs and it had everything you needed on it. It looked good. It was very legible. It was just, you know, fall solid, solid 10 out of 10 for what you want a screen to do. Yeah, I've had no issues with it. I enjoy it. Um, backup camera is great on this. Uh, it's more of a wide angle, which is nice. But yeah, I, I haven't, I don't know. This infotainment system that I have now is relatively simple compared to a lot of other things you can get out there. And I guess that kind of compensates for my main beef with infotainment systems, which would be um, there's all that stuff that you're not going to use. Like if you look at that F-150, if you're on the home screen, it's got, it's not too overbearing. It has the four main, um, basically four main quadrants and you can choose one of those and then go from there. But if you, uh, a lot of infotainment systems now are going to have five, six, seven, eight different screens you can go to. And it's like, really? Like while I'm driving, I'm going to be trying to flip through all these different things. No. What are you using while you're driving? You're using, uh, music and your phone and GPS. And that's really about it. Yeah. When I, when I had that uh, loner three series as cool as that thing was, it took me a full 10 minutes after I got in before I set off. There was so much that I had to kind of get acclimated to and try and search through some screens. And then I wanted to hook up to my phone, but then it wanted me to download an app and it, yeah, like it's everything that, that Jeff has nightmares about. (laughs) um and so yeah it's very possible to to do that and i did think that was too much tech but i mean people that buy a luxury vehicle like that they want bells and whistles and gizmos and gadgets and things to dig down into um for years but with with a wrangler you want it to just to just work and work well and it sounds like yours does that it does um and and that's why i said I, i have really no complaints on it from that front uh, it's all very simple. It has my different options down on the bottom for the, uh, you know, either the Apple CarPlay or the GPS or the radio or whatever. Um, and it always has those in about one inch squared buttons across the bottom, um, no matter what screen you're on, which I like because uh, it's very easy once you kind of memorize where they are to just click on one if you need it. So, um I do appreciate that that portion of it. It's still I only use three out of the seven buttons. Um, I know I'm not going to use the other four. We don't need them. Do you even know what they are, or is it just I, I don't, don't need them? It's just <laughs> yeah. stuff I don't. That's to your point. Um, are we ready to uh, take the leash off and make it the running of the running of the Jeffs in Pamplona? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I won't be too harsh, I promise. Um, <laughs> it sounds like the fan uh, wants you to be harsh. Uh, the fan, yeah, maybe they do. I don't know if I have any fans. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess 
I mean, obviously, I could sit here and tell you how much I hate infotainment, blah, blah, blah. But I understand that I'm the minority, and <laughs> most people like infotainment. It's not going anywhere. Uh, I think my biggest uh, gripe with most infotainment systems that I've had exposure to is they're, they're just not intuitive. Um, if you, you know, I, I hate to be super basic here and uh, say how well the iPad does at being simple. Uh, that's what you want your infotainment system to be. If it's going to control uh, important uh, things in the car, uh, like your heated seats or your navigation or whatever, it should all be very, very simple. It shouldn't be, uh, it should, you know, I, I don't know. I think that that's something that car makers really struggle with is creating a intuitive user experience. Um, it, it, by, by contrast, you look at, you know, uh, app developers uh, and, and, you know, uh, I guess Apple, Microsoft to some degree too, they have very intuitive, very easy to use user experiences. So, you know, when you're driving, I think it's even more critical that you're not sitting there fumbling with your infotainment system and then you run into somebody. Uh, you know, if it was something simple where you could just swipe left or right, select your, your uh, you know, your suspension that you want to look at and then, you know, okay, here's my camera settings, here's my, you know, my suspension stiffness, whatever. I can go toggle through those really simply and logically. Uh, every system I've had experience with, it, it doesn't do that. I think one of the better systems I've seen so far is on the F-150. It seems a little more logical than um, like the Q, um, but uh, like uh, the Q is a Cadillac system that like on my dad's car, um, which I personally don't don't like that much. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's not intuitive. It's it's confusing a little bit. Um, and yes, on his Porsche, I mean, it's essentially unusable. Um, it's it's horrible to use on his and his Porsche is you know 15 years old, so it's you know it's not a brand new car. Um, or I guess it's, I should say it's 12 years old, but, uh, it, you know, the newer cars, they seem to be getting better. Um, uh, like I think Tesla is a pretty good example of one that's a little more intuitive to use, but in general, they're just, there hasn't been a really good one out there. I've experienced yet that really blows me away. Well, to that your, is, to your point, you mentioned that you feel, felt like Microsoft and, uh, Apple make you know, decent user experiences because they know how to do that. Um, the sync system was originally designed and developed by Microsoft. And, you know, the other good system I've, I've used is uh, my dad's old truck. He put a, a, you know, an Alpine system in with CarPlay and being mm -hmm. able to hook up to CarPlay and have, like you said, you just swipe through a couple screens and it's just got your essential apps on it and it works the same way that your phone does uh i found that to be what i want even with as good as the sync system is in the truck if i could get carplay in it i know how that works because i use my phone every day all the time so you know that's something that and again it has how many hundreds and thousands of hours of user experience data that's been mined and cataloged and refined to work 
versus a, an auto manufacturer trying to develop software. Right. Yeah. Mm. Data mining is a whole other topic. So. <laughs> it's a whole other show. <laughs> I was a little triggered when you said that. <laughs> But no, I think I think you had some some really good points there. Um, you know, one thing I did like, um, I, I have to admit, and I I don't necessarily know much about the system, but I rode in my friend's. Uh, he has S three um, before he moved, um, and one of the things I did like about it, and I'm sure you've noticed on the a lot of the newer car in, infotainment systems, they don't. They don't really integrate them into the dash very well. Like your F-150 is integrated. A lot of the new cars, they look kind of added on like a pop-up screen of sorts. Have you noticed that on a lot of yeah. the new cars? Andy's yeah, Andy's almost looks like that too. And that's definitely a a design choice that people have been going with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm not positive why. I think it started early because it was cheaper. And they really were tacking things on to... Uh, previous designs but now brand new cars are coming out where yeah it almost looks like you could detach the screen from the car like you know how you'd take your there's uh, an idea head unit unit faceplate off and put it under your uh seat in your in your car for your aftermarket uh pioneer and alpine units you pull the head unit off for the stereo and put it under the seat so people wouldn't break and steal it yeah it seems like you could do that but you could just pull it off and give it to your four-year-old here here's the tablet timmy exactly what i was gonna say yeah yeah Yeah, so one of the things like his so his s3 had something similar to that but what it did do was he had a an option that was below the the touch screen that you could press and it would retract the screen into the dash Mm. and for a car that is kind of driver focused i thought that was super cool so if you wanted to go out and not, you know, deal with your daily commute like you like you usually do, and you wanted to go have some fun in the twisties, put your screen away and just go, you know. And the nice thing was is it would allow you to play your music. You know, you could open it up, get your music playing, and then close it, and you got your music going. You don't have any type of screen in your face or anything. You know, you're just you're good to go at that point. Wait, hold on, let me pull my hair back a little bit, ex- expose my, my balding head. You know, those, um, all those wheels and those gears to recheck track that screen sure seems like a lot of parts that could fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so much simpler if you just have what everyone else has, which is a little button off in the corner that you press that the screen goes away. Or you just don't have the screen to start with. There you go. You have you have wipers that you have to physically turn the knob to to make them make them go each time. Come on, Randy. It's Audi engineering. <laughs> Over engineered. I like the idea of a foot actuated. You know, you just like you take your foot off the clutch, and then you have to stomp and like pump up a air system that you can then just like wipe your wipers with your with your little. I see Jeff's yeah, your little foot pump. Jeff's dream car being something out of like a '90s uh, family movie, where he's got to like reach up above his head and like pull this string to make the wipers go, kind of yes, uh, kind of Mister Bean style. Now we're talking. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes in Oregon in the winter. 
probably about as well as pouring a water bottle on your windshield uh, and Windex for uh, in Idaho. It's going to go super well. Super well. Or if you just, you know, sit in the garage. Okay, well, this will go ahead and bring us to the end of our 35th episode of Garage Night. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Garage Night or email us at tinydogpodcastnetwork at outlook.com. And check out our other family shows at tinydogpodcast.com. Feedback is always welcome. Uh, any of your usual avenues for podcast listening, iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, feedback is always welcome and appreciated. Also, click through the Garage Night link at the Tiny Dog website to visit our Beta Garage Night website. And without any further ado from all of us here, we're going to wish you a very good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Garage Night Podcast. A special thanks for Jeff Tracy and Annie Tamlin for joining the show this week. Until next week, keep turning wrenches. We're not going to have Jeff lose at the uh, quiz this week. <laughs> hmm. I haven't, I haven't built an, a new one yet. Uh, I have a couple ideas, but I haven't, I haven't, haven't done any yet. The last one was close. It was. It, a good was. One. it was decently close. Um, well, it came yeah. down to the last question, so I don't know how much closer you can get. I don't know. I mean, I just Andy felt... cheated and used his wife. So. <laughs> yeah, te- technically, Andy's wife won. So. Don't the wives always win? It's not how it works. That is. Uh, today is all about truths. Follow us on Instagram at Garage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had my other, I had a different window open. <laughs> well, Follow while, us while, on I'm, Insta- while I'm editing, uh, Daniel's got a got a bit in it now. So yeah, what he needs to be looking at the script too. What I didn't tell him. It's oh boy. <laughs> Boy, howdy. I'm, I'm already, I'm already we're here. We're spare parts tonight. <laughs> okay. Dan does have it somewhere. At, is it in the uh, notes? <laughs> Daniel's like, where's the script? What, what script? I, dro- I dropped one in the Zen chat. So What's a, what's oh, a, Google, there it is. What's a Google Drive? I don't know what that is. <laughs> He's got access to it somewhere if he went to his Google Docs. Found but... it. Okay. okay. Got it? You there? Yours is towards the bottom. It's the one Are with a ready? D next to it. It's a big D. <laughs> and don't mean Dallas. Here you go, Dan. Thank is you. that better for you? Uh, a little bigger. <laughs> <laughs>